is Rose Corteen and you're listening to the Talking Teenage Life podcast. This is a podcast that explores people's experiences in their teenage years and what they've learnt since. Today on Talking Teenage Life podcast, I will be interviewing Kathy Sabin. Hello, Kathy. Hello. It's great to see you again, Kathy, and thank you for making the time to do this podcast. There is so much for us to talk about today because after a career in teaching, you had a second career in tennis, which ended up with you being the first ever female president of the LTA. So that meant that you were on court to receive the Davis Cup. You presented Andy Murray with one of his Wimbledon trophies. You've been to the Rio Olympics and picked up an OVE for all you've achieved. What a story. However, what is less well known is that you were the reason I got into tennis. We're at the Shrewsbury Club right now and every year there is an ITF Pro Series tournament here and you got me and my sister to be flower girls at the final. That's what inspired us to be playing, to start playing. And five years on, we still are and love the sport. So how did you get into tennis, Cathy? Well, I lived in Birmingham as a little girl, about the same age as you were when you were a flower girl for us in Shrewsbury. Yep. And I used to go down and play tennis at the tennis club in Edgbaston, which is very close to where the big event before Wimbledon is held now. Yeah. And in the holidays, I used to just get on my bike and go down to the club and play. And there were always children there, and we just thought it was the normal thing to do. But in those days, you just put your racket on the front wheel of the bike in a little clip. And we didn't have posh things like track suits. We just got on the the bicycle with our tennis kit on, and off we went for the day. And our balls were in a little string bag. And the people who were old who were listening to me will remember, oh, yes, we used to carry our balls in a string bag too. Yeah. So, and then you started volunteering and helping organising tennis. How did you um, start getting involved with that? When we moved to Shropshire, when we first got married, so we're talking about 1970, which is a long, long time ago, um, we lived in Newport. And although there was a tennis club in the town itself, there was a wonderful place called the Little Sports Centre. And we decided to start a tennis club there. So that's where the volunteering really began. And then I was asked to provide ball boys and ball girls for the National Tennis Championships, which were held at a place called Telford. And that's when it all started. And look where it ended. Yeah. So you started volunteering. And then how did you become the... And then you suddenly became the first female president of the LTA. Sounds sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I suppose it was, um, apart from it being a big shock, yeah. that, that was the main thing. Yeah. But I'd I'd helped at my club in Newport, then we moved to Bridge North, yeah. and I was ladies' captain or, you know, in charge of the tees and yeah. various jobs at Bridge North. And then I represented Bridge North on the Shropshire Tennis Council. Yeah. And then a gentleman called John Henshaw represented the county at the LTA, and he yeah. retired. 
and they nominated me, so off I go to meetings. Yeah. And and then the council at um, the LTA, they elected me to the main board. Yeah. And then one day the deputy president said, would I be the next deputy president? Well, you could have knocked me down with a feather. Wow. And that was it, <laughs> yes. So were you really... What did you think the role would include? Well, I knew it would be very busy and it's it was very much what you made of the role yeah. and the gentleman who was president two presidents before me yeah when when they were building the national tennis center he was there it was like a full-time job for him yeah the next one not quite such full-time but mine i just took it on and it was full-time so i lived in london for most of the time yeah um and loved every minute of it so what kind of did you have to go to different places or what did you have to do? There was a variety of things. I was officially the ambassador for British tennis. So I travelled, I went to every single county in the country at least once and some of them three or four times, depending on what was going on. For example, I went to Yorkshire three times because they had terrible floods. So I went during the floods and then went back after the floods. Um. And I visited all the pre-Wimbledon tournaments. I went to clubs, schools, colleges, um, opportunities for people with disabilities. Yeah. And then, of course, we also travelled the world to events all yeah. over the place. I think it was 22 countries. Wow. It was a bit of a wow. <laughs> and even now I think, gosh, did we really go there? And it was very surreal. Um, yeah. And the people you meet, you meet people yeah. that you never, ever think you're going to be having a cup of tea with or, you know, rubbing shoulders with. So it was, it was fascinating. Yeah. So what, um, you mentioned that you went to different countries. Why, why did you go to all of the different countries? Well, um, part of the role was to represent British tennis at the Grand Slam events. So that was Australia, France, United States, and obviously Wimbledon. Yeah. Um, so that was every year. And then the International Federation had a conference every year and we went to Chile, we went to Serbia, we went to Paris. So we went, because they had to change continents each year. So that was special. Tennis Europe, we went to six um, different conferences for Tennis Europe and then other small events as well. So um, it was amazing. Yeah. So you, um, you have been to many different countries and obviously you'd have had you went to the Rio Olympics and you watched Andy Murray or did did you watch Andy Murray winning the um gold medal I did and that was a very very special moment yeah and what was interesting was that a lot of the people who came to watch the tennis yeah were from other sports because oh. you get people representing other sports obviously going around the different yeah. venues and they couldn't believe how gladiatorial, you know, one-on-one yeah. tennis was compared with everything else. And Andy's match was something like three hours, just over three hours long. Yeah. And he gets a gold medal. Usain yeah. Bolt was nine seconds and gets yeah. the gold medal. So the comparison. So everybody was in awe of the way these two men played. Yes. Um it was an amazing match. It was very hot. But they'd also got the political issues in the stadium too. Oh. Because um, with Argentina playing, yeah. and you've got the Brazilians who will cheer for anybody 
Yeah. Except for the Argentinians. So there were a few causing troubles there. So the whole experience was fascinating. So um, also you, with Andy Murray again, you saw him um, win Wimbledon and you got to present him with the trophy on Centre Court. I did. And I had a hug. Yeah. That's even better. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So um, I, I was very lucky that during my role as president... We seemed to win quite a lot of things. So yeah. there was the Davis Cup and there was Wimbledon. Um, so I think Andy just treats me like his one of his grandmas, really. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not quite with disdain, no. but um, a delightful, delightful young man. Yeah. So what was it like being able to present him with the trophy? I mean... I think pride would be the, the big word to yeah. go with that because I just happened to be lucky enough to be the person wearing the hat of president on that day. Yeah. And for having a British player coming on after all those years. Yeah. Because I was there the second time he did it. Um, yeah. And it was just overwhelming, really. And the crowd yeah. was just lovely. Lovely. Yeah. You mentioned um, GB also won the Davis Cup and then um, you were presented with the trophy as well. Yes, again, wasn't I lucky? Yeah. <laughs> and we were sitting there watching and the Duchess of Gloucester was next to me and she was as excited as I was yeah. because she travels everywhere to watch Davis Cup and Fed Cup. Yeah. And um, just before the match finished, yes, the girl in charge of the event said, um, I'll come and fetch you. I said, what for? She said yeah. to go on court and nobody had told me that I would be going on court for the presentation. So that yeah. was a bit of a shock. And then I still remember that lob that Andy put up on the last point. Yeah. And when I watch it now, I still think, is that ball going to go in? And it yeah. did. And, and that was pure emotion, wasn't it? Yeah. So when you was complete shock when you went on to court. So um, how did you, like, what really happened after well, that? I, I was collected along with the president of the Belgian Federation. Yeah. And we went down and stood there while they were engraving the trophy. So we had oh, to wait right. for about 20 minutes. Yeah. We were courtside and the players were all chatting and celebrating. Yeah. And then we went on. And as president of the Federation, I was given a gold medal. Well, yeah. not real gold, but it was yeah. gold coloured. And the Belgian gentleman had a silver one. Yeah. And then the team had the presentations. And then they called me on to have a photograph taken with them with yeah. the trophy. And I've got a copy of that photograph stuck up where I do my work at home. And that, that was a big moment. Yeah. So um, looking back over the three years that you were president, what would you say was your proudest moment? Apart from the Davis Cup yep. and the gold medal, I think was when we had the first British Tennis Awards. Yep. Because for a long time I'd realised that there was there was a gap and we weren't really rewarding volunteers. Lots of counties yeah. had their own awards sessions. But we decided to set it up so that you could be a club winner, a county winner, a regional winner and a national winner. Yeah. And now they, they've been running for three years. Um, that was a big moment. Yeah. So um, on to our next topic... Um... We could probably have a whole podcast about um, tennis. <laughs> yes. And, but um, so talk us through like where you were in your teenage years. Um, I think I would describe myself as a bit of a tomboy. Yep. And if there was a sport going on, I was there 
in the yeah. middle, in the mud, on the bike, up the trees, playing yeah. hockey, playing lacrosse, whatever was going. Um, I wouldn't say it was quite anything rather than schoolwork, yeah. but not far off. Okay. And I was lucky enough to be at a school where there was a lot of sport on offer, Yeah. so I could try everything, and it was just a dream yeah. come true for me. I did do some work as well, so it wasn't yeah. wasn't all fun and games. <laughs> what What sport did you enjoy most? Tennis was always key. Yeah. But I did love I it, well it's difficult to pin them down really. Lacrosse and hockey. Yeah. I loved. Uh, the trouble is not many schools played lacrosse so we had to travel a long way for our lacrosse yeah. fixtures and I also loved cricket. Yeah. So it was difficult then in the summer when I went to college I had to choose between cricket and tennis. Yeah. For the teams that was difficult. Anyway, I chose tennis didn't I so. Yeah. <laughs> <that> was right. <laughs> um so what um did you ha- what who like did you have a sister or a brother in your family or I've got two sisters. Okay. Yep. Um I don't think my elder sister ever got muddy or dirty. Yep. I don't think she ever rode a, rode a bike. But um my younger sister, she was just like me. She yep. was completely bonkers when it came to sport. Yeah. Um she's a very very good golfer and she yep. was a good tennis player as well and an amazing skier. She's had some Bad accidents, but then she, yep. you know, the next year she's back on her skis again. Yeah. So I'm more like my younger sister than I am my older sister. So you were. So would you spend more time then with your younger sister? And how many like years were between you? There was just over two years between all three of us. Oh, oh, yeah. Between two years, three months between my elder yep. sister and with my younger sister. So we yep. were we were reasonably close. Yeah. And would you say you're closer to your mainly to your mum or to your dad or? Difficult one. I'm very like my mum. Yep. Um, she was a very, very good cook and a home economics teacher. Yeah. So she taught me how to cook, although I always thought I knew better. But then that yep. was just myself and my mum. Yeah. Um, my dad died when I was 21. Yeah. Um, he was the sportsman. He was the yep. one that kind of got us playing sport. Yeah. So, um, obviously, did you think when you were a teenager that you'd become first president of the the first female president of the LTA or what were your career ambitions then I just wanted to teach PE it was always my dream and I did that for years and years and years and I can honestly say I just loved the job it was very special and I think PE teachers are lucky because they actually have more time talking to the children you know as as people as opposed to just sitting in front of them in, in a lesson um so I loved that, absolutely loved that. And yeah. I never thought anything about being the president of the of the LTA until they actually said to me, would I be yeah. the next deputy? Bit of a shock. Yes. <laughs> so you mentioned you had a, um, t- a teaching career. So how long how long did you teach for? Ooh, right. Um, I started teaching in 1970 yep. and taught for three and a half years into, when I had my first son, Ben. Yep. And then I had Simon two years later. Then yeah. I did odd days of supply. And we were lucky in those days because um, there were plenty of jobs around. Yeah. So when Simon then was about 10, I went back and did two and a half days a week. Yeah. And then after two years, I went back full time and I was ahead of year and teaching PE. Yeah. And um, the roles kind of grew. And then I retired in 2007. So yeah. quite a long time, really. Yeah. So what did you enjoy most about teaching and what made you want to come back after? I think it was really about 
ensuring that the young people could do as well as they possibly could. And yeah. it didn't matter if they were hopeless at PE. You could find something that they could do. Yeah. Um, even in a PE lesson, if they weren't a good netball player, there was something that they could do. Yeah. And it wasn't about elite performance. That could happen out of school. Yeah. It was about encouraging them all to grow as people. Yeah. So do you think that the teaching, that the career when that teachers have now has changed since you started teaching? I think it's very different now. Yep. There is so much paperwork. I know people will say, oh, she's just a PE teacher. Yeah. Um, but there is, there is still an awful lot of paperwork. Yeah. And I'm not sure how the teachers actually keep on top of it all. Yeah. I remember a friend saying that they were always having to assess the children in every lesson to yeah. say what grade they were at. And that if they'd actually done that after two weeks of teaching them and again at the end of the year... They'd yeah. have known exactly what they were going to be doing. Yeah. But it seems to take hours and hours and hours, whereas we had more time with them, teaching yeah. them. So did you in, enjoy teaching certain PE sports or not? I was lucky enough to be part of a, a PE department in a sports college. Yeah. So we did a lot of outreach work in the primary schools. Yeah. And as I was the dance specialist in the PE department, yeah. I did all the outreach dance work with the primary schools. And that oh, was right. just magic. Yeah. That was such fun. And there are, there are still youngsters who come up to me and say, I remember you teaching us to dance and, and whatever. And that yeah. was good fun. Yeah. yeah. So um, two of my grandparents were teachers and um, they both taught like lessons inside of the classroom. Would you say there's more of a difference then than there is now with teaching in the classroom or outside? That's a very difficult one because it's, yeah. it's a while since I taught. Um, I think this, the, the big difference is that you get more of a chance to get to know the young people yep. if you're teaching PE than yep. you do. I'm not saying they don't know the children, but it's a different no, yeah. relationship. Yeah. Um, and so a couple of years ago, you received an MBE. And how did you find out? Well, actually, it was an OBE. OBE. You know, there's a difference between the O yeah. and the M. So it was yeah. an OBE. Um, I got a letter in the October yeah. which said um, that, you know, they'd had this application and they were pleased to say that I'd got this OBE. Yeah. And I thought it was a letter from the Cabinet Office about applications because I was always filling applications yeah. in for other people. Yeah. So I read this and I, I, I did scream. And of course, it says you're not meant to tell anybody yeah. at all. So I did tell my husband, because how can you not tell him? Yeah. So I told him, and he, he went, woo, as you do. Yeah. And so that was October, and we weren't meant to tell anybody until January the 1st, which is yep. when they published the list. Yeah. And we happened to have most of my family at our house on January the 1st. Yep. So our youngest grandson, yep. we gave him a copy of this letter, yep. and... Um, my John said to him, now, Charlie, you're going to have to read this letter out to everybody. Yeah. But it's a secret for now. And he said, I'm not very good at secrets, Grandma. Anyway. Yeah. We stopped everybody chatting and talking while they were having yep. a drink. And Charlie said, I have to read this letter. Yeah. So he read this letter out. And of course, yep. everybody went, oh, amazing, amazing. Yeah. And little Ollie, who's the youngest grandson, yep. said, what's all the fuss about? So, of course, they had to explain to him. Yeah. So... That was very, very special. Yeah. Um, and it was lovely to think that people had taken the time to write to the Cabinet Office to recommend yeah. that I got this award and then to receive yeah. one. 
was lovely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what was your day at the palace like when you oh, actually received it? That's another surreal day. So, a car picked us up in Richmond and drove us to Buckingham Palace. Yeah. Um, and... Of course, we had a pass, so you go through the gates and you drive into the courtyard in the car. Yeah. And then you go in and you're welcomed and you're given badges. And the people who are going to receive the honours go up one staircase. Yeah. And then your friends, both my boys, Simon and Ben yeah. and John came, and they went up another staircase. Yeah. And then we were told how the morning was going to work. Yeah. And whether to walk forwards or backwards and when to move forwards and when to bow yeah. and when to curtsy and whatever else. Yeah. So it was beautifully organised. But yeah. you didn't feel as if this was yet another day of presentations. Yeah. You felt very special. And it was Prince Charles who gave me my award. Yeah. And he just speaks to you. And obviously he's very well briefed, so he knows exactly why you've got yeah. your award. And he talked about um, tennis and he said and he'd been to Wimbledon once with his wife yeah. um, after many years of not going and he'd thoroughly enjoyed the day. Yeah. And that was lovely. And then when we came out, I did a couple of press interviews and then photographs. Yeah. And then they send you um, a CD yeah. and they have managed to capture photographs of you coming in through the door. Yeah. Of John and Ben and Simon going in and sitting down. Yeah. And I suppose everybody who had a CD, they'd actually edited them to just have their family on them. Yeah. And then the presentation, beautifully done. Yeah. And then off we went for lunch to a place at Simpsons in the Strand. We all Ooh. met with the family and had a party there. Yeah. So it must have been very like magical and very just wow for um, the day. But um, what were you expecting to happen for it? To be honest, I didn't know. I, I'd spoken to a few people who'd said, whatever you do, you must order the CD. Yeah. And whatever you do, just take it all in and enjoy yourself. So we did yeah. enjoy ourselves. But you meet some amazing people who've done quite extraordinary things. Yeah. So um, you're no better than anybody else. You're all there because you've done something different. Yeah. So what kind of people did you meet there? There was a lady who'd done a lot of ecology work um, on the coast and was working yep. saving the dolphins. Yeah. And then there was me in tennis. Um, yep. There were quite a few people from Commonwealth countries. Yeah. And in beautiful national costumes. Yeah. And there we were in our kind of disordinary smart clothes and hats. You know, we didn't yep. look kind of quite boring. Um, yeah. But there was a gentleman who asked me for a press interview who clearly didn't understand and he thought that I was you know the International Tennis Federation yeah. not the LTA and he wanted to know all about Roger Federer I said well I'd rather talk about Andy Murray he said well why don't you want to talk about Roger Federer I said because I'm British tennis oh. yeah yeah <laughs> so that was slightly different yeah <laughs> yeah so what other kind of interviews did you have to talk about then uh, on that day you mean yeah. for the OBE um it was really about the hopes of British tennis and what we were doing to encourage children to play, like the Tennis yeah. for Kids programme and so on. And um, and weren't we pleased that we'd done so well because we'd, we'd already got you know, Olympic yeah. gold medal and we'd got um, Davis Cup. Yeah. So luckily I could talk very positively about what was going on. Yeah. So um, thank you for chatting with me today. Um, you've, you've always been an inspiration for me and my sister and now with this interview, it's gonna, I hope it's going to really inspire some other people. 
But um, I always have one final question that I ask all of my guests. So what would you, what would be the one thing that you would tell your teenage self? Before I tell you that, yeah, I'm just going to say that if all young people could be as inspirational as you and yeah. your sister, then the world would be a great place. Right, so what would I say to my teenage self? Yeah. I think I would say, and to all young people, yeah. grab every opportunity you can with both hands and yeah. go for it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to Talking Teenage Life podcast and that this discussion has inspired you. Please remember to subscribe via your usual podcast provider. We'd love you to leave a review online and don't forget to visit www.talkingteenagelife.com to find out what we're up to.